Get your release. With Strings, the anonymous armchair chat show. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to what we call Shrinked. And here in this program, we reach out to the global community where everyday folks can share their voices on what's really going on in their minds, their hearts, their feelings, concerns, whatever it is, and say it on a national and international platform. This is that show where we can get that release that we all need every now and then. I'm your host, Jamal Aziz, aka TJ, as some of my co-hosts call me. And just a little bit about myself here. I've been working in the media industry for about five years as quite a few things, a content creator, journalist, podcaster, radio show host, um, audio editor, video editor, and producer. And the reason the notion of a psychology-related program appeals to me is, first of all, my major in uni was psychology. And I felt I learned a lot about myself in that time frame. And understanding myself more enabled me to understand others, which gives me the opportunity to possibly serve people by hopefully equipping them with some mental tools to, you know, weather through this enigma called life. So this is, I suppose, the purpose for this program. And today, I got with me in the studio, Mr. Leo. How you doing? Hey, TJ. <laughs> nice to be here. And thank you so much for being a part of this show. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Actually, I don't know if you have ever heard of the term multi-potentialite. I think that's the term I kind of want to describe myself. Okay. Um, that is basically someone who has potential in a lot of areas, because <laughs> I wouldn't be too presumptuous to consider myself a master in all of these areas, but all I right. certainly have a lot of potential in these areas. All right. So number one, I am a broadcaster. Mm. So I used to work at a professional radio station, and I also won a prestigious Go to Microphone Award back in the day. So right. that's part of my identity. And also I'm a translator, and I do a lot of translation as well as uh, interpretation. Mm. So I get invited to events and do oral interpretation as well. Okay. And recently, I just finished translating a book, which has a lot to do with mental health mm. and psychotherapy. So that's a very exciting project. Wow. Also, I am a moderator. So I get invited to events and talk to different people who possibly speak different languages. And I use different languages to ask them questions and then answers and then translate the questions um, and relay them to different guests wow. so that we can have some sort of communication or back and forth. Right. So moderator, not as fancy as those moderators of presidential debates, let's say, mm. but still it's a meaningful job. Absolutely. And last but definitely not least, currently I'm also a psychotherapist. Wow. I'm okay. relatively new at this. 2021 is actually my first year of star starting practicing, but nice. I would like to think that I am quite a good therapist. Absolutely. So. Wow. You are definitely multifaceted, I would say, wearing a lot of hats. And we're very, very grateful to have you on this program. I think what, you know, a lot of what you have to say, people can benefit from. So thanks again for joining me on the show. Now, folks, here on Shrinked, we advocate that mental health awareness is not only helpful, but absolutely necessary for us to adapt, evolve, and survive in these trying times. So joining us on the show, we have a couple of practicing professionals in the field of psychology who will be giving some pointers to those who shared their voices. And hopefully some of that advice will reach some of you out there listening if you're dealing with similar issues. And guys, again, just to be clear, 
This show is not a substitute for seeing a licensed professional in your area. If you're in dire need of psychological assistance, please reach out to a professional near you so that you can get the right treatment specifically for your situation. So now, disclaimer aside, let's hear from our voice sharer. And of course, some of the names given on the program are pseudonyms due to privacy concerns, which is totally okay. So let's hear it. Hey, um, my name is V. I am 25 years old, soon gonna turn 26 this year, and I've been living in China for over 10 years. Currently, I am experiencing a lot of changes in my life, and I think most struggling one is facing the fact that my only best friend is moving to another city. So, long story short, for the past year, I've experienced many things that had certain impact on my mental health, both in positive and negative ways. Starting from painful love rejection, losing self-esteem, being homesick, finding a new favorite hobby, new friends and unique connections, unforgettable adventures, acceptance of my own body, escaping an abusive relationship, getting involved in a social community, changing job for the first time in three years, harassment from ex with ending up calling the police for the first time in my life, exploring new things with a really wonderful person, and for now it's just tons of overtime at the new workplace. So yeah, these things happened and I'm trying with the help of kind people to overcome anxiety caused by not pleasant experiences. But currently with all above, my trigger point is the fact that my only best friend slash roommate will move to another city in a couple months. It makes me actually really sad, anxious, broken and lonely. We are a really close friends. I think for eight years we've been knowing each other and for the past three years we've been living together. Obviously I really got used to them being around, but recently we got more distant and arguing more often and some of the fights triggers panic attacks which I honestly never experienced. I am trying to digest and take in the fact that they soon gonna leave the city for their future and I have to actually to respect their choice. But with all other mental concerns, issues I have now, I'm basically afraid of future. So I hope there are some suggestions or ideas how to ease anxiety in this kind of situation. Thank you. Thank you so much, V, for sharing with us something that's very personal and very difficult. She mentioned a lot of things, as, you, um, as you've heard, um, but I think the thing that stood out to me the most was um, the situation with her best friend that was leaving. And I think that that's something that, I'm not sure if a lot of people have experienced something like that, but it's really, really tough. And eight years is a really long time. It's definitely long enough where you know somebody, in, or at least you think you know somebody in and out. And um, 
I think it's different when you meet someone or meet a friend uh, externally as opposed to living with them. I think you see a lot of things when you're living with someone. You see, um, for example, if they have certain habits and, you know, if they if they smoke or and you're not a smoker, that could be a problem if you're living with this person and how clean they are and how responsible they are. I think that's something else that can be uh, a, a deal breaker for a lot of people when even though that they're friends and when they live together, um, could change a lot of things. And there's something else that I think is also can change the DNA of this relationship. And I think that that's having a, um, a romantic partner get involved. Mm-hmm. And sometimes with that, that can change things as well, because sometimes that person can influence your thoughts or your feelings about that friend. I'm not saying that that's, you know, in particular in B's case. Right. But um, sometimes if someone is, um, you know, if you're you know, about to get married to someone or if someone moves in, that can change uh, a lot. And I, I'm, I guess I'm speaking more from personal experience. I had a best friend all through high school and um, similar thing. We, we, you know, we moved in together and at first things were great. But you, you know, obviously, I got to see a different side of this individual when we moved in. This person smoked. This person liked to play loud music, and it was a different side that I didn't get to see. You know, obviously, when we were going to school. So moving in together was a huge, huge challenge to um, our friendship. And when I, when we got involved with different people, there was also this situation. Sometimes. Uh, couples can feel like, you know, oh, this, your friend has more priority than me. So there's this competition with the uh, the boyfriend or the, you know, the girlfriend or whatever. And that can also, um, con- you know, constrain, you know, the relationship with, uh, with people. So a lot of things. I think that um, sometimes moving in with friends can either bring you guys really, really close together or pull you apart. Right. I I think I relate to every single thing you just said there, Mm. Um, especially when it comes to close friendships, even to the point that you're living together. Mm. It could be a total game changer because, like you said, before you live together, you probably just like that person because you shared a lot of common interests (laughs) and you got to hang out and do fun stuff together and everything is hunky-dory. Same movies, same hobbies, and maybe same music. That was the case for me. Yeah. Yeah. But when you start to live together, uh, you have to consider if that person has the right habits, like Mm. you said. Also, if that person is responsible enough for example, does he clean up his room mm. or does he leave his socks on the floor right. and just smelling all the time? And also that person has to have boundaries. Yes. Because if that person doesn't have the the right fit of boundaries, and then I think you will create create a lot of drama. So mm. that's also where I see a lot of people, a lot of couples, friend couples break up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, it was this guy going in the refrigerator eating my food. For me, that was a deal breaker because it was like, come on, you know, I'm I'm working. This is the kind of food that I eat. If it happens every once in a while, it's okay. But yeah, just eating my food, uh, smoking, not paying the rent. I mean, that was a huge one for me. This person 
didn't just couldn't keep a job. So because he couldn't keep a job, he couldn't pay the bills. And sometimes I would have to pay everything. And then it was the IOU situation and I'm waiting on my money. It doesn't come. And so there was just a cluster of a lot of things. Needless to say, when everything um, settled, we were not friends anymore. And I haven't spoken to this individual in years. And there was a part of me that I was going through a lot of stress too, because this was someone that I was really close with for a mm-hmm. long, I mean, we did everything together. And it was almost like this, the ultimate betrayal when I moved in and I just saw a different side of this person. And I mean, and then when this person just um, didn't meet my expectations, we it pretty much severed our relationship and it was really, uh, really tough. So from, and I, I, I'm not sure if I've actually recovered from that actually. I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit more reluctant to allowing people to get really close to me for that reason because of all of these years and because I felt like he was like my brother. But because of how things went down, um, at this point, I'm a little bit reluctant to trust others in terms of being like a really close friend. So I also think that this is a way to pressure test the relationship, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I definitely know what you mean. And I also think this is why a show like this is very meaningful because friendship has consistently been underestimated as Mm. an important psychological tool for our well-being because we talk about uh, the importance of having a healthy relationship all the time and also when you uh, see uh, people go to therapy and stuff it's usually for relationship problems right and as far as i see there's no specific school or approach that's purely focused on uh, helping people, uh, you know, <laughs> communicate. Yeah, communicate and... when when it comes to friendship, and also help people pick up their pieces if they just go through a breakup of friendship. Mm. And actually, um, I think a very useful concept here is called big friendship. That refers to the specific type of close friendship that you almost feel like this person is your family, like you described. Mm. So that person occupies such a big presence in your life. And when you realize that um, there are some fundamental differences between you guys and this can no longer uh, continue to be a healthy relationship, that kind of trauma or pain can be so devastating. It's even exceeded the pain and trauma of losing a romantic partner. Mm. So um, there's also this book called Big Friendship. Uh, Anyone interested could check it out. And according to that book, uh, a scientific study has shown that a lot of females, especially females, Mm. they confess that the biggest trauma they have ever experienced in their life is actually losing a big friendship, not losing a romantic partner. Wow. Yeah. And I, I'm not a female, but I can definitely say that I've experienced the loss of a really close friend, and, and it's not fun. And in some ways, it still has affected me to this day, you know. But it, I do feel that it has made me stronger, and I'm a little bit more selective about who I keep as close friends. And I don't th- necessarily think that that's a bad thing, mm-hmm. you know. And you know, V also mentioned a little bit about anxiety and um and she also mentioned panic attacks anxiety is a really uh something that i think we all face but i guess if it's not addressed it can kind of get out of control and can take its its toll on our lives and uh, according to the anxiety and depression association of america uh, anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the u.s and this is affecting about 40 million uh, adults 
um, every day. And about 36% of them are actually um, receiving treatment. So you have a lot more who are just kind of going throughout their lives without any kind of treatment. And I think when that happens, you could probably see uh, these symptoms uh, exacerbate and then you can experience something called a, a panic attack. And for those who are not familiar what a panic attack is, I mean, it's it's pretty terrifying. And uh, the symptoms would include um, heart palpitations, so just really heavy pounding of the heart, uh, sweating, and also the trembling and shaking. And I've, I've seen this before in uh, some individuals that predominantly my sister, when she sees a spider, I mean, she will literally start trembling. And she had to see uh, go to therapy to kind of quell this situation. Uh, sensations of shortness of breath. Um, and I think the scariest ones are probably the derealization. And this is the feelings of uh, unreality or you're, you feel like maybe you're, you're going somewhere that's not uh, real. And I think this is where people may start to feel that they're going, quote, crazy. And mm -hmm. they don't, you know, they're not, you know, not sure if they're, if they're sane. And depersonalization. And this is where you're being, it's like you're uh, being detached from your body or looking at yourself in the third person. And I think that this is also a phenomenon that would make, you know, that would obviously make a lot of people really uncomfortable and feel like, okay, something's wrong here. So um, I think these kinds of symptoms are something that maybe most of us don't feel or experience, but it's something that's really heavy and it could be very terrifying if you, if you, you know, have this unfortunate experience. Yeah. And also I think any listeners out there, if you um, haven't personally experienced panic attacks, and if you just listen to what TJ described, mm. that could be a whole lot, but we can try to simple things down a little bit. So if you don't understand what a panic attack is, and if you have never seen it or experienced, it can be summarized as a feeling that I am having a heart attack mm. and I am going to die. That feeling is so real, mm. you literally cannot breathe. Wow. Yeah, and, and me personally, I haven't experienced a panic attack. I've, I've been around people that were um, encountering one, but I wasn't really sure what it was. And so, and I think that's, that's also something that's a bit alarming when people around you are also um, freaking out. They're like, well, what's wrong? Why are you shaking everywhere? Mm -hmm. And so, and that can make other people nervous as well. So yeah, a lot of things. And V also mentioned something about um, calling the police on her partner, ex. her ex-boyfriend at the time. And I had to do a little bit more research. And when I talked to uh, this individual, she let me know that there was a little bit of stalking involved. And with that stalking, I'm not, and for so for those who may have had experience with stalking, uh, apparently it encompasses a lot more than just someone following you around. It's, uh, and this is according to the US CDC, uh, it's unwanted phone calls. It's um, unwanted emails, instant messages, text messages, uh, voice messages. And of course, it's approaching victims and showing up unwanted or unexpected and leaving threats or notes or watching or tracking. So these kinds of things that, you know, someone can do to really put the sense of fear in you. And uh, it's and it happens to male and female. I mean, uh, and according to the uh, National Intimate Partner and Sexual Violence Survey done in the in the U.S., uh, it's quite common. One in six women experience it, and one in 17 men also experience it in their lifetimes. And I have to say that I had a really 
brief encounter with it, and it was um, very uncomfortable for me. Um, it was um, a few years ago. I had this um, relationship that didn't work out. Um, this person had some uh, some issues that she needed to resolve, and it was out of my power or out of my ability to to help this person. We hadn't been dating long, and so it was something that um, I felt that we needed to to separate. I communicated that to this person, and from that point, I got a barrage of messages. I mean, it was at one point 200 messages in like less than 24 hours. Mm -hmm. And this person was, you know, threatening to come over and, you know, and she wanted to talk. But when this, as I mentioned, this person wasn't mentally sound. And mm -hmm. when you're when you're dealing with someone like this, you're not really sure what they're going to do, what they're going to say. I was a, you know, I'm a foreigner in the country, so I was a little bit afraid. I didn't want any problems, so mm -hmm. I, I avoided um, trying to meet with this person. So I eventually tried to, you know, get ready and leave, but I got a, I heard a knock on the door, and this person eventually showed up. I looked through the peak hole in the door, and the person was looking right at me through the peak hole, and. It was that moment where my heart kind of froze and mm. I felt a sense of fear that I'd never experienced before. And again, it's not, I, I don't want any problems. I'm, you know, and especially when you're outside of your country, you don't really know your rights that well. And so at that moment, I was just like, maybe I should just kind of stay. Maybe this person will, you know, eventually just leave. Maybe, you know, they'll think that I'm not home and she'll leave. The person ended up staying out there for like an hour. And so it was just really, really uncomfortable experience. And eventually I opened the door and I went outside and she was gone. Mm. And um, I went down the hallway, the dark hallway at that time. And I went into the security um, office and the, you know, he, there was a guy there and I took out my Baidu translate and I tried to communicate to him, you know, what was happening and he looked over at the screen, you know, he's surrounded by a lot of screens and he looked over by where my apartment door was and she was standing there in the security camera. I don't know where she was when I walked outside, but anyway, he went and he, um, he talked to her and, you know, he escorted her out off the premises, but it was just really, really uncomfortable. And she ended up messaging me saying that I'll be back. And so for a few, I would say about a week or so, I was a bit spooked. I didn't know when I was going to come home, if this person was going to be there, uh, what, you know, what they were going to do, what they were going to say. So, so yes, this is a, you know, my brief encounter with it. I know the feeling it's not fun and I'm a guy, I can protect myself. But again, you just don't really know what some people are capable of. If they need help and they don't have that help, they're capable of anything. So very traumatic experience. So I can kind of understand what V is going through a little bit here. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing your story, TJ. That was very brave. <laughs> and I think it's a very specific story in the sense that, you know, you come from different backgrounds. Mm. Um, you are not of the same nationality. You right. don't speak the same languages. And also, um, you are a guy. Mm. And she is the girl here because yeah. when when we talk about stalking, most people they just immediately go to the conclusion that oh, the guy yes. is the stalker, that's right, and the girl is being stalked. But your case uh, very vividly illustrates that that's not necessarily the case. Mm. And also, a lot of people will say, well, 
you're a guy, and also you're a tall and strong guy at that. Why do you have to be afraid? You can definitely protect yourself, even if it goes to some dark places. Yeah, it's not like you can't fight. But that's not how it works、mm. because、uh, psychological factor plays a huge role here. Yeah, you. Think that、uh, well, you said that she is not mentally sound,、right. so that comes with so many undecided factors. Like you have no idea what she could possibly do next, and、mm. you have no idea what could push her buttons, so to speak. So it's that uncertain factor、yeah. that makes everything so much more scary than what it looks like or what it appears to be. So、yes. I think people need to bear that in mind, and that also. Coincidentally, taps into a question that I like to talk about now, which is the reasons why certain people stalk.、Mm. Because I have heard people ask me, like, why does he have to do that? Like, doesn't he have、uh, better things to do、mm. than to stalk me all the time and、um, add distress to my life? Well, the thing is,、um, at least one major reason why certain people stalk others is that. They are not mentally sound.、Mm. So if they are mentally ill themselves, maybe this is the only way they know how to proceed, how to function. So you have to cut them some slack. I'm not saying that you should、uh, just go ahead and say this is okay. No, this is by no means okay. But you should at least understand it's understandable because they cannot control themselves. They're、mm. not healthy in that sense. Yeah. So this is the first type, and the second type is. The stalker is actually mentally sound, but he or she decides to stalk because they have this need or desire for control.、Mm. Because when it comes to stalking, it's basically just a psychological control.、Right. If I can get one over you, if I can make you fear me,、right. then I get off of that.、Mm. So that's where this stalking behavior comes from—the desire for control. And the third type is a sense of entitlement. So this person can be totally mentally sound,、yeah. but he or she feels that I am entitled to this.、Oh, you belong to you me. You belong to me. Yeah. yeah. You know, you、Oof. should feel so lucky that I like you. <laughs> I want you,、mm. so I am entitled to you. So that's also where stalking comes from. Wow. Yeah, that's.、Uh... That's a scary feeling, and again, from a personal experience. I mean, again, I, I think my encounter was brief, but anyone who's in this situation where someone feels that you belong to them, it can be quite dangerous. And and, and this thought process of you know, if I can't have you, no one can have you, mentality is also very dangerous, and we see that a lot, a lot these days, unfortunately. So, Mr. Liu, we spoke a little bit prior to the show, and in your professional experience, do you have any suggestions for V? Yes, I think the easiest suggestion might surprise a lot of people. <laughs> It's、okay. just one word: breathe. <laughs> I know a lot of people will shrug it off, and they will say, "Seriously, that's、yeah. the best you can give me?" Well, the thing is, nine times out of ten, when I ask them, "Well, have you really tried it?" And they will say no, and then I ask them why don't you try it, and they say because things are so bad. I feel so overwhelmed. I just don't think breathing alone will solve any problems for me.、Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is, it's almost like、um, your mind decides your future. If you believe this is going to work, and then you will work hard 
toward the goal, and then it will become reality.、Hmm. But if you don't give it a chance, you think there's no way this is going to work, and of course you don't even bother. Yeah. And of course it's not going to work. You know, we have all heard the term self-fulfilling prophecy, right? right so this right, is how、yeah. that's working.、Um, Yeah, I have so, to say that I would have been one of the nine out of ten. I would have shrugged it off, like, "Okay, doc, what else you got?" I mean, last time I checked, I was breathe. I've been breathing for a long time, and I'm, <laughs> I'm still suffering. But so I guess if we breathe too much, or if we breathe too quickly, we we lose a lot of CO2, and this can actually cause some problems with the the pH in our body. So the actual the the bag. And breathing into the bag, and I've seen people do it all my life, you know, in different、uh, situations, mainly in films. And breathing into a bag, it actually helps in kind of regulating、uh, that CO2. But that's, I guess, that's only if there is a, if it, it is in fact a panic attack. I mean, if there's other health concerns that may not be、uh, the best way to go about it, right? Yeah, and also the thing is, breathing is so easy. Like, you just need to take your time. Breathe in, breathe out. It sounds so easy, yet it is so sufficient. Because、mm. when you actually slow down and do the process, what it does is that it can help you shift your focus from something you are worried about to something that is located in here and now.、Mm. Because when you 100% focus on the current moment and just focus on your breath, yeah, that shifts your attention to you. And the current you, and the current you only. That is a really big concept, and I haven't. I, I I guess I discovered that with meditation, and for those that have done a little bit of meditation, it is the hardest thing in the world to try to just breathe and just focus on the inhalation and the exhalation and just focus on the now, because your mind is flooded with a lot of different things, and so that's something I think that is、uh, may take practice, but is very effective. Yeah. Speaking of meditation, I think my next piece of advice would actually be mindful, because you know mindfulness is closely related to the、uh, concept and practice、yeah. of meditation. Right. And over the years, I have heard a lot of people say, "Oh, meditation is not for me," because I can never stop the thoughts running through my head. <laughs> well, guess what? <laughs> I actually have a lot of thoughts running through my head. All the time, too. Everybody does. No、mm. one is an exception here. So, being mindful has nothing to do with the stereotype that you have to be a monk,、mm. like you have to reach that absolute Zen state. No, it's not. Nothing like that. Being mindful is basically just recognizing something is going through your mind. Yeah. Acknowledge it, and then cut yourself some slack. Don't keep saying, "Oh, I'm bad." I'm having thoughts again. I have strayed. No, cut all of that out. Just recognize it and then stay with it.、Hmm. Because the thing with you know wild thoughts or strong emotions and things of that nature is that they come and they go.、Hmm. So if you allow yourself some quiet, some peace, just stay in that moment. Stay with that emotion. Stay with that thought. Most likely, they will go away. Within just two minutes tops. Wow, that's that's a beautiful statement because I think it it kind of goes with anger, the sense of anger. Because I've been angry at times in my life, and it doesn't stick around that long. It's normally something that's really explosive, and I'm angry for well, probably longer than two minutes, maybe about five minutes or so. And but eventually, it、uh, it it dissipates, and I don't feel as angry. I mean, the thought is there. 
but it's you know I don't I guess I don't act on it and then if you don't act on it long enough eventually it's almost like you accept it and um and I think that's part of the the process too so yeah emotions they just they kind of come and go and I, I guess if we try to suppress it it sticks around longer yeah you know so mm-hmm. that's my second tip for V be mindful all right and the third tip is actually very actionable and also is my personal favorite. It's called 54321. Okay. The 54321 method is also known as the grounding technique. All right. So basically it refers to take a minute and then name five things you can see. Mm-hmm. For example, I can see a microphone, I can see a blackboard, I can see a TV set, I can see you, right. and I can also see the floor. Okay. So that's five things I can see right now. So the sense of sight. Right. right. After you have named five things you can see, name four things you can touch. And then after you are done with these four things you can touch, name three things you can hear. <laughs> For okay. example, I can hear someone laughing, I can hear myself talking, and I also can hear birds chirping somewhere mm. in the distance. Mm. So that's three things I can hear. After that, name two things you can smell. Oh, uh, okay. So after you're done with that, the final thing is name one thing you can taste. Yeah. So uh, the idea behind this five, four, three, two, one thing is that by listing all of these things, you can definitely switch from your previous state of focusing on the future or mm. the past to focusing on the here and now. You know, two uh, most common emotions that we talk about when it comes to therapy is that you're either anxious or you're depressed. Mm. When you're feeling anxious, you are focusing on the future. You worry about what might happen right. next, right? You right. worry about the worst case scenarios. And when you're feeling depressed, you focus on the past but neither is focused on the here and now. Right. By listing all of these things, then you have to focus on the present. What is available? What can you see? What can you hear? Yeah, so after naming all these things, your mind is definitely focused on the here and now. Absolutely. And that's, I think that's a really um, practical um, activity. It's, it's like mindfulness, but it's, just, it's like a, you know. More a t- actionable. More actionable. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Okay. Wow. That's something that and I, I almost feel like people do that in different ways. For example, when people do feel uncomfortable, they sometimes will go to the refrigerator or the freezer and get some comfort food, some ice cream or cake or whatever. And also sometimes people will drink, they'll, um, they'll overwork. And so they stimulate their senses uh, in different ways. And, you know, but sometimes, a lot of times, it's not very healthy some of the actions that we do to kind of um, to make ourselves feel better for when we're when we're dealing with things but yeah this 54321 method i my only thing is i would probably forget the sense like which wait a minute which sense is this or am i supposed to be smelling something or, or touching something? <laughs> that's the only it's <laughs> the only thing with that but i guess it doesn't really matter right yeah i think that's a really good point it doesn't really matter okay. as long as you put in the effort to come up with all those things That's all that matters. Well, definitely a mental jewel for those of you listening out there, something you can definitely try. We were also able to reach out to one other professional to share some advice. And joining us today, we have 
uh, Thomas Markerson, who is a certified clinical psychologist working in Copenhagen, Denmark. And he has specialized in cognitive behavioral therapy and occupational psychology. And he happens to be an expert in psychological matters in national TV, radio, and media. And we are very happy to have him as a guest on our show. And he himself has lived and worked abroad and has online clients from all around the world and is knowledgeable on uh, specific issues pertaining to being an expat. So let's hear what he has to say. Dear V, Thomas Margerson here from Denmark. I have the greatest sympathy for you in your current situation. And based on what you tell us and based on the sadness of your voice, it could sound a bit like you're teetering on some level of depression. So let's see if we can give you some advice that you can implement or take to heart so you can get better. You're obviously suffering from a feeling of rejection and loneliness and not having the quality of connectedness and relationships that you need. Based on the so-called self-determination theory, we have three basic psychological needs. We have a need for autonomy, competence and relatedness. It sounds like you have all the autonomy anyone could ever ask for in the world. And you also sound competent. It is your basic need for relatedness that seems critically unfulfilled. And the question becomes how to fix that. Because you mention being homesick and you mention losing this friend uh, through eight years and your friend and roommate. And these kind of relationships aren't something you can fix overnight because they're like deep roots into our past and even geography. At the same time, you sound like you reach out and you create connections. So I believe in you and I think that you will create new relationships. But as I said, these kinds of deep relationships are hard to fix and replace. So it's not, it's not uh, um, strange that you're having, uh, that you miss these or that you suffer because you don't think you have it enough. In terms of establishing romantic relationships, a great boyfriend or girlfriend can, can make it out for, for, um, for not living in your home country. Uh, and to me, it sounds like you've been unlucky. What with the harassment and, um, and being turned away. And I can't tell, but it could be that you just have been unlucky. And here the best advice would be to keep trying. I'm sure there is a great uh, boyfriend uh, for you out there somewhere. I would like also to comment on your conflict with your roommate and friend. Uh, I wonder if you have fallen out, if you both have been living in the US. What I'm getting at is that Perhaps living abroad and working a lot has been so stressful that it has contributed to you, you, the two of you conflicting. So I hope that both of you realize that and forgive each other and, and manage to work it out. Although sometimes having breaks and pauses in friendships is okay and uh, the way of life. Perhaps you'll get to be great friends again in a, in, in a year or two. Now I want to comment on your anxiety attacks. Anxiety attacks often result as a kind of built up tension that is getting released in these harmless yet very uncomfortable spasms of the mind. So in a sense, a panic attack is just the body recalibrating its energy. And therefore the best way of dealing with them is to letting them do their thing without you being too worried about what they're all about. 
And uh, my concrete advice here would be for you to Google Anxiety Attack Worksheets CBT. Anxiety Attack Worksheets CBT. There are many free tools online that greatly reduce the discomfort, anguish and worry related to panic attacks. The last thing I want to comment is uh, there is an acute problem in your life and that is that you experience a crisis right now and you work a lot. And that's a problem because when we experience a crisis, we tend to need to reduce the amount of inputs we get. We seem to know intuitively that deep down, when we're sad and confused, we need space to think. In other words, being in a crisis and beginning a new job with a lot of overtime is a bad cocktail and may be the root cause of your uh, possible uh, symptoms of depression. Therefore, this is my advice to you. Uh, I don't think necessarily you should call in sick at work, but I think you should do your best to negotiate your overtime down. Perhaps say something like this. In order to get into the job in the best possible way for me, I also need to breathe and digest what I do. I'll put in plenty of overtime in some months when I really have gotten into it. Thus trying to buy yourself some time, if at all possible. My final thoughts would be that I have the utmost respect for people trying to make a living in a foreign culture and actually making it so far from home. And I'm sure that that uh, mindset in itself will make you a pull through. So um, yes, my last words would be, V, you have balls and uh, good luck with you. And again, we'd like to thank Thomas Markerson for sharing his voice and advice on our program. So V, you've heard it yourself. You have balls. (laughs) And that's coming from an expert. And I think that's totally awesome. He also mentioned uh, the self-determination theory, which is um, new by me. I thought this was quite interesting. And um, I think it was uh, autonomy, uh, competence, and relatedness. And I think relatedness is a bit of a challenge, especially for uh, those of us that are living you know, outside of uh, your country, finding people that are, you know, have, um, you know, like-minded, you know, like-minded people, uh, people who are uh, in similar uh, circumstances, cultural ties, this kinds of, you really have to look. And sometimes depending on, you know, where you are, it could be a challenge. And as an expat, it's even more challenging because when you find these people, they're normally uh, transitory. You know, they're there for a little while and then you bond and then all of a sudden they they take off. And so there's there's that. And so it's um it can be kind of tough to maintain this type of uh, community. And um, but I also feel that it doesn't have to be ultimate. Um, I think if you have these bonds and you connect with people and this could be, for example, like with um, with V, she mentioned her her best friend or whatever. And if this person is planning on leaving and going to another city, it doesn't have to be something that's you know indefinite. This relationship can still go on. Thanks to obviously social media and these different um, platforms, we can still keep in contact. We could still do video chats. We can still maintain that friendship. It may be a little bit different, but it's still uh, there. And, and in a way, I think it can solidify the relationship and um, test it and see if it you know lasts the test of time. Yeah, I agree with that. Because, you know, with the technological advancement, there is no way that uh, if someone is truly important to you, and then that person will just 
disappear from your life forever.、Mm. You can certainly keep contacting her with you know Facebook or FaceTime or、yeah. WeChat or what have you. Well, the thing is,、um, like Thomas mentioned, I had the sense that she probably had a falling out with that best friend. So. If that is indeed the case,、mm. then I think what's really important here is that she and that friend、um, just lay everything out on the table and have a heart to heart. I think this is a, I think this is of utmost importance、mm. because,、uh, like V said herself,、um, despite the fact that she has so many problems all at the same time, the biggest problem for her is that、um, what's going on between her and her best friend is. Um, giving her such a hard time. Yeah. So I think if you don't solve this problem, this fundamental problem, then everything else will just keep adding on to、yeah. your stress. But if somehow you can get to the bottom of this problem, and then I think everything else will be sorted out accordingly. So first and foremost, tackle this problem because I think this is the root problem. Hmm. Uh, one thing Thomas said, I think he mentioned that V is teetering on depression.、Hmm. So I want to make it absolutely clear that feeling depressed and having depression are two completely different ideas. Because、hmm. depression, as some sort of feeling, is very normal. Everybody feels depressed every now and then. Right. But to have clinical depression, then you have to stay in a certain state. For an extended period of time,、mm. and also it has to affect your social functioning. Right. You cannot function properly. You cannot work properly. You cannot communicate with people properly, and you cannot handle yourself properly. So I think V is already having enough things to deal with on her plate. There is no need for her to add the label that I have depression on my plate. And that is just unnecessary burden at this point. Well, yeah, and I and I think that this saying goodbye and just having to deal with、uh, this type of situation. Uh, and I, I'm I'm going again. I'm going back to when I you know I lost. I say I lost my best friend at that time, and it, it can you can have this sense of depression. I'm not sure if it interrupted my my daily activities and things of this nature, but it does rest on the mind a lot. And it may affect how I feel about myself. You know, didn't maybe I could have done something more, or am I a bad friend? And so I think when you war, you know, go to war with some of these thoughts, it may affect、um, you quite a bit for quite some time. And again, as I mentioned before, I I think I still kind of battle with these kinds of thoughts when it comes to friendship. So, so yeah, I wouldn't say that I'm depressed. But certainly, at one point in my life, I was dealing with、um, the feeling, the feeling、depression. of being depressed. So、um, he also mentioned the anxiety uh, CBT uh, work uh, worksheets, and I think that this was、uh, useful too. I actually visited、um, psychologytools.com, and there were a lot of different、um, resources for people. I mean, if you want to take the time to look at some of these anxiety charts, these self-monitoring charts, and Avoidance hierarchy and all of these different things、um, are quite useful for people if they wanted to actually、uh, deal with、um, you know some of the symptoms that they're feeling, like breathing exercises for calmness. I mean, all kinds of things are there. So, really good resource for those who、um, want to give it a try. And I would suggest too to do some tests that have been proven scientific. 
One is PHQ-9, and the other is Beck Depression Inventory, BDI. So PHQ-9 is relatively easier because that nine stands for nine questions. Mm -hmm. All you have to do is just answer nine questions. You add up your scores, and then you decide. If your total score is um, below five, then mm. you're fine. If it's somewhere between five and ten, then you have mild depression. And if it's somewhere between ten and fifteen, moderate. Mm. Somewhere between fifteen and twenty, moderately severe. And then somewhere above twenty, you probably have severe depression. Okay. So that's PHQ nine patient health questionnaire. Nine, yeah. and then、uh, Beck Depression Inventory. It has twenty-one questions, so it's relatively a little bit more, more time-consuming.、Huh? Yeah, yeah, more com- complicated. Yeah, if they if if people will actually go through it, because you know nowadays it's a little bit harder. Tension spans are a little bit、um, shorter, but definitely something that's that's workable, doable, and probably worth the effort. You know, those twenty-one questions could say a lot about your current state. Yeah, very helpful. So yeah. And also, PHQ nine and BDI are both very easy to find online. I'm sure you can do a quick search, and、mm. then you can find them. So, if you are worried that you might potentially have clinical depression, do either one of these tests.、Mm. And if the score shows that you are potentially、um, having clinical depression, then you should go seek a doctor or a therapist or some mental health professional immediately. Don't、Absolutely.、Wait. So V, if you're listening out there, I hope one takeaway from all of this is that you are definitely going through a lot, a lot more than most people, I would say. Yet you are still here. You're still standing, and you're still carrying on. So it sounds to me like you're very strong, and hopefully, with some of these mental tools, you'll be even stronger. And try not to sweat the friendship. I mean, I believe if it's genuine,、um, it will just be a temporary revision. But if it doesn't work out, then maybe it wasn't meant to be. And I've been there, and I think your charm and your interests and your endeavors will probably attract other people that are more similar to you at this point in your life. And I don't think that that's a bad thing. And like Mr. Liu said, emotions in general don't hang around for that long. So. I think all of us really, we just need to hang in there, and things will turn out okay. And also, TJ, I just want to、um, congratulate you for being so vulnerable, especially <laughs> sharing your personal story of losing your best friend, and、mm. also that horrifying stalking experience. It takes a lot of courage to, you know, tell your own story, and I think that sets a very good example for all our listeners. So if、right. you are also in a similar situation, and if you think by sharing your story you could potentially help a lot of other people, certainly go ahead and start sharing your stories today. Oh well, thank you for that. And for those who have made it to the end, this wraps us for this episode of Shrinked. And folks, we're actively pursuing contributions for the show. So if you have anything you'd like to share or get off your chest, send us an email. We'll get right back to you asap. And I hope your day gets a bit brighter after listening in. And be sure to join us next time for more sessions. I'm Jamal Aziz, and I'm Liu Yan. Take it easy, folks. We'll see you next time.